Hey guys, it's, uh, I want to make sure everything is connecting right here. This will be the third attempt, actually. Be the third attempt. I apologize. Yeah, it looks like everything is good right now. It's excellent condition. I do apologize for any potential lag, if any, uh, in the future, you know, as we go on with this uh, live edition, if you will. You know, live edition of Topics of My Mind for today, Friday, the 10th of February, 2022. And, yeah, like I said, I do apologize for any lag that you may um, notice. Hopefully it fixes itself and adjusts itself uh, later on. It seems that my computer decided to do a little bit of a, I'm assuming, a virus protection update or a virus scan uh, right when I didn't need it to, you know. Uh, but yeah, welcome guys. Uh, I know the last live stream I did was uh, kind of a last minute one on Friday, on Wednesday. Uh, due to the fact that you know, I was doing it just moments before my mom got there. That's why you heard the phone ring and everything. And again, and just like that, I do, and just like that live stream, I do apologize if the phone does ring um, as well uh, uh, during this broadcast because you know she likes to call up during her breaks, her lunch mostly, and check up on things, see how things are going. Um, for me, you know, right now. Um, you know, like as you can notice, like I said, I'm off and everything. And hold on for a sec while I take care of something. I just want to make sure. Because I'm also kind of doing my laundry uh, to kind of, you know, have stuff ready for work tomorrow. Uh, had to put it on delicates because I have a one of those uh, t-shirts my older sister got me for Christmas you know it's a Wrestlemania one and it's kind of like if you don't wash it correctly I'll be very delicate with it you know parts of it will come off but yeah um, like I said I'm off today and just relaxing doing what I can and um, you know just enjoying life right now especially with the fact that uh, excuse me, especially with the fact that um, yesterday uh, my mom and I finally we knew about we knew it was coming and all that we knew it was coming, but we finally got the invite for my oldest nephew and his fiance's wedding. Um, now I'm not going to say when it's going to be. I will say it's summertime, but not saying when. But I do I I can say that it will be at the flower farms the flower farms in Lumeris, Lumeris, uh, Lumeris, uh, California 
it's basically a, a little around the rural area of Sacramento or something. And I looked online, and it looks, I, I will say this, they picked a heck of a spot uh, for this to happen in because it's beautiful. The environment, the pictures, that when, when the people took these pictures, they took them on the best opportunities they could, the best days, because they look fabulous. They look absolutely fabulous, absolutely beautiful. You can, you, you know, you get to look at what the inside of the reception area is going to look like. You get to look at the inside of what the um, the inn itself is going to look like, uh, basically, and all that, as well as maybe the, you know the dining area, like for breakfast when you wake up in the morning and get breakfast. It looks really good. It's basically a hybrid of very old school and very modern. So basically, there are modern aesthetics in there, like big tubs and all that. If you want, like to take a, a, a soak in a big round you know whirlpool like uh, tub and all that you you got you'll have you have that luxury basically you have that luxury um, at your disposal and I am just you know I am just happy that well you know this is happening in June and what's interesting well yeah I just said it's gonna happen in June but I'm not saying when it's gonna happen in June so <laughs> let's put it that way but what's interesting is the timing uh, of when it happens, and that's all I'm going to say. Hey, with you know, that's all I'm going to say there. But yeah, um, just just really thrilled this is finally happening. Um, you know, they always say that you need a little happiness in your life, a little bit of a you know distraction from the norm, you know, a little bit of positivity, and you know, this is an opportunity to. You know, get that up. You know, have that chance. You know, and you know, just enjoy life and celebrate the future of of our families all together, coming together as one. Because what happens here uh, this summer with this wedding, that basically is the next step in the expansion of this family. Because when my nephew's fiance takes on his last name, that continues on his family's bloodline. And by extension, of course, his mom's bloodline, which is, of course, my bloodline and my parents, all parents' bloodline and everything because, you know, me and his mom are siblings. You know, so it takes all that into account to where you know, uh, even after you pass, this, you know, parts of you, elements of you are going to be inherited into future generations. And it all starts with weddings, you know, like this. So I'm really, just really, really thrilled this is uh, occurring uh, when it's happening, I really am. You know, so, yeah, the flower farm, basically, uh, in Luminous, California, is the setting in June of this, some in June of this year, but I'm not saying, you know, when it's going to happen, but it, it is happening. We're really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, you know, besides that being some good news, um, another thing that's gone on, you know, I talked about my mom probably calling in a little while which would cause for interruption. Uh, she recently got back on her computer because she has to use what is known as the learning genie. This is something that her and her fellow teachers have been utilizing at school. And what's crazy is that they thought they were all going to probably get separate, you know, tap, you know, separate tablets, iPad tablets, if you will. And that wasn't the case. Instead, it sounds like they only got like a few, like uh, the company. Well, well, not that. Well, well, it's basically the company. It's uh, the people that, you know, run the facility. Um, Cape, Cape Head Start, was only able to get um, a certain amount uh, of tablets for a lot of the um, 
you know, regions, a lot of the uh, centers and all that, preschool centers, daycare, day, daycare centers and all that. So they were only able to get this, like, a certain amount. And when my mom's at Livermore with her school, they were only able to get, like, one or two. You know, so, you know, that, so they basically they got to, like, I guess, share a little bit or, or go on the computers and work it. But, like, but from, like she, from what she's telling me, you know, it sounds like it's only one or two. Now, I don't know if she just said that because she was tired and she wasn't thinking straight. You know, and everything, but it does sound like, you know, there's less, there were less iPads than they thought, you know, they were going to be able to utilize. Um, but with that said, you know, she did go on to the uh, laptop yesterday, and by going on it, she basically uh, was able to finish, she was able to finish, um, some of the kids that she has assigned to her uh, through the Learning Genie, you know, that, you know, she has, well, well, basically she has assigned uh, for this year, she was able to finish them um, uh, last night. Uh, she started the other night, she started on, um, I think it was, what was that, I was off on, I was off on Wednesday, so she started Wednesday night, and then she finished it uh, last night, and you know, she, she's getting used to this kind of technology. You know, it's not, you know, it's not her forte. That's obvious. You know, she's not really much of a tech-savvy tech kind of person. You know, but, you know, she she's getting used to it. I, I can see that already. She, you know, she's getting used to it and everything. So, boy, these things do not last, do they? Um these wipes anyway, especially when you're trying to rub them on your glasses. Uh, but yeah, you know, she, she basically um, used what she could uh, last night to, uh, last night and Wednesday night on, on her laptop to, you know, get, you know, get the job done and everything. Um, as best as she could, and I think that's the best I'm going to get this, you know, glasses-wise, so that's the best I'm going to get them. <laughs> um, yeah, you still need to be clean just a bit more, but the, so far the main area where you can look out is pretty decent, but uh, like I said, you know, you know, she's learning a little bit on how to uh, utilize uh, the laptop to, uh, you know, to her advantage, so you know, to take care of stuff, especially if it's a, you know, it's a website or, you know, an area they can go to that allows them to uh, finish what they start at work at home. So that, that's a good thing for her to, to be able to do. Um, but besides that, nothing else really much has gone on. I mean, yesterday was a little bit more busy at work, I will say that. I mean, the previous two days before Wednesday, Monday and Tuesday, they, they were all right. We kind of got busy like towards the end but not really, and it was more of a slow day and everything. Uh, yesterday was a little bit more busier. I'm sure today's busy, going to be busy as well because, you know, Valentine's Day is, you know, Tuesday. Super Bowl is Sunday. So I know that today, so I know that yesterday during various portions, when it, it, you know, I was not surprised it was busy. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to be surprised to uh, find out tomorrow when I go in that it was busy today. So I'm not going to be surprised by that. 
nor am I going to be surprised that it's going to be busy tomorrow. So essentially, these last three days, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, are going to be very busy because it's the Super Bowl, but also because of Valentine's Day as well. And the parents getting stuff for their kids to give out to their classmates on Tuesday, as well as getting stuff for themselves. And you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that some um, some parents, you know, and lovers are not going to use the V Day on Tuesday, the 14th, to do a little whoop-de-whoop, if you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah. It basically, you know, yesterday, I'm, I'm not sure about Wednesday. I think it was, I think they said it was a bit busy, but not really. But yesterday was busy. There was no doubt. Like I said, there were various periods where it picked up a, a lot. And, um, you know, you know, it, it helped the day go by quick, but it was just like, you know, this is to be expected. This is to be expected, especially as you go into, you know, something that is not an official national holiday but people want want it to be, and there are there is a petition and stuff consideration of making it a holiday, you know, on the, with the Super Bowl, and then, and of course you got Valentine's Day falling almost two days later. You know, so so yeah, it is. Uh, it, so yeah, it was. It's it's going to be. It was going. To, it was is right now. I guarantee it, and going to be very busy over these next couple of days. Um. I did. Ma- I, I'll tell you this. I I made the smart decision. I, I made the smart move, if you will, by basically requesting for the uh, for the thirteenth off. Now I didn't have time to request the twentieth off because that's President's Day, and I don't think any buses run that day. So I'm going to have to do double the lift, if you know what I mean. Double the lift, or call in, or do something. But I'm going to have to do double the lift that day. Uh, which I don't mind doing if I can afford it, but yeah, it's gonna be double the double the lift to to get back and forth uh, from work because my mom, you know, that's her that's one of her rare days off, extra days off, three day weekends that she's not gonna want to get up and go anywhere unless she has to, unless she has to. But yeah, um, I'm gonna definitely have to look into Lyft or Uber for that day, and you know, just get myself prepared to to get up. And everything, I told her basically the advantage of, of that day is I don't have to go into work until at least one, I believe, one to five forty-five. So that kind of works maybe in a favor of maybe she'll consider it. Like okay, I don't have to get up early, I don't have to rush, and everything. You know, I could just relax and all that, and go from there. And it also kind of puts into the advantage of it's more likely I'll get a Lyft ride or an Uber ride at that time to try to get to work. So. You know, so that kind of works out uh, in my favor uh, as well, um, either way, um, depending on how you view it. You know, depending on how you view it and all that. And uh, let me double check stuff for you guys. Hold on. Yeah, just making sure everything's working. But yeah, you know, it's, it's going to... Um, but yeah, it seems like that might be probably a good scenario for me on that day. You know, both ways. You know, both ways. Um... You know, but and you know, besides that, you know, not really much going on. I will say this: something interesting happened yesterday, and I'm not surprised by this because I see this guy always walking around, or at least he's one of the people that walk around, and he's not always all there. You can tell he's kind of drugged up and everything. You know, he's basically belligerent because it was like towards it was close to me clocking out, right? Because I clocked out, I think, at 5:45 yesterday, and what he wanted to do. 
was he wanted to take a cart that had a RC, I think it was, what was it, an RCA projector in it, one of the new RCA projectors, and something else, and he wanted to walk out with it. You know, he was that belligerent. He's like, oh, something like that. And he got caught. And one of the security guys told uh, the person that was watching self-checkout at that time, uh, you should have just let him go. Because you don't know what this guy's capable of. Period. You don't. And he's not the only one I've seen walk into that store that's belligerent and all that. You know, I saw a guy one time, like, about a couple months ago. I think as we, you know, as we were, um, you know, getting really into the Christmas season... And he was just swinging a bag around like this. Just, you know, talking loudly, swinging a bag, a bag around like this. And it's like, okay, you know, okay, you know, uh, I'm just going to stay away from you. Obviously, you're not all there. And either he was mentally not all there, which I can understand as a disability, you know, for some. Or mentally wasn't all there because of drugs or something like that. But, you know, what's interesting What's interesting is we have what is known as security patrol. And I'm sure they have it around where you guys are too. Uh, but security patrol, what they do is they drive around the areas. They drive around the Target parking lot, the, uh, the connecting parking lot at Home Depot. You know, they drive around the little, um, mini, the little um, plaza area there that we have, the, you know, where El Polo, El Polo Loco's at, where... Um, you know, where uh, McDonald's is and then, you know, Starbucks and all that, GameStop. You know, they they drive around all over, all over that parking lot. Like I said, they drive around the parking lot of, of Home Depot. And then they go across the street, obviously, unless there are other people over there. And they drive around that section as well because there is a lot of, you know, homeless and a lot of drugged up people. They just wander and are completely belligerent. Some of the homeless are okay. Like, they, they understand, hey, you know, I'm not supposed to be out here right now, but, you know, I have no other, no, no other place to go because I don't know if the shelters, you know, act like hotels or anything and they have to leave for a couple of hours. I don't know. But obviously some of the homeless, you know, they do have, you know, sense and everything. And, you know, they're able to, like, camp out in certain areas. You know, without causing trouble. And again, someone just flat out belligerent. Period. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was waiting for the 7-Eleven bus, right? <laughs> that's what that's the time it comes, the last one. And this one guy was coming up to me and acting like, I was like, okay, dude, whatever you say. Whatever you say, I'm not going to bug you. And then he got onto the countryside Turlock bus, and I was like, yeah, get out of here, <laughs> you know. Because uh, you could tell, again... You could tell, again, he was not, he was not all mentally there. He wasn't. And, you know, that's kind of unfortunate when you really get down to it. It's kind of unfortunate. But, yeah, you could tell he was not all there. It's like he was not, you know, completely 100%. And, you know, he's not, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I know I'm going into 20 minutes of this. I do apologize. And I apologize for any lag, maybe. But here's the thing. You know, if, if you're security patrol, and you know there are people out and about, maybe you should have more than just one security patrol car with you. 
you know, following you. Like, you're doing one area, the other person does the other. You check all your areas. So that way, if you find somebody, you can say, you get in here, you can get out, you know, try to get escort them into the car and say, we're going to take you back to the homeless shelter. Or we're going to take you downtown so you can, you know, kind of cool down or whatever. Or get you some help. You know, they, you know, they need more than just, you know, one car patrolling. And that's it. And it seems that you can't even, and here's the other thing too, it seems you can't even dress warmly, keep yourself warm, you know, while you're waiting for your ride, like your bus, or you're waiting to clock in, like at work, without them suspecting you could be one of them. And that's what they did to me, one time. Because I was wearing my snail cap, my beanie cap, and my uh, jacket here, and my gloves, and they thought I was one of them, and I wasn't. I said, okay, I'll move. You know, they said, you can't be here, it's too dangerous. So I said, okay, I'll move. Because I don't know if they thought I was one of them. In fact, even a lady thought I was one of them because I was sitting behind uh, one of the little uh, brick walls, a little brick wall that we have in front of the store. She thought I was one of them. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just here on my break, <laughs> you know. You see, you see, they're doing their job. But this, I think they need more eyes. They need more eyes, not just parking lot-wise, but in-store. Like, they need to really venture into the store more, into the stores more often to make sure, okay, let's see if I can find somebody and be like, oh, I found somebody. You go up to them and say, okay, you got to go. Let's go. You know, and that's it. You know, you think, you know, they'd be, you think they should, you think they'd be doing that. And at times they do, depending on the individual. But I think most of the time, the security patrol people that get hired on to do this, yeah, they'll do their job, but they're mostly in there for the paycheck. Like, they don't really, you know, care. But there are some that do. So hopefully... Hopefully, security patrol uh, will get Im- will improve over time. Hopefully, but yeah, it's just one of those situations to where you know they might they might be like you know sensible, but they're a little belligerent. Like like last night, there was a truck that was just driving around, being actually suspicious like, and I was like, and it even looked like it was trying to follow me. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm just going to keep walking to the bus stop. And fortunately, thank God, it drove the other way. But, but yeah, it basically, long story short, it basically feels, it basically felt like to me, someone that was sensible enough to drive, but a little belligerent in the head, if you know what I mean, if you kind of see what I'm saying. But, yeah, yeah, it was one of those, um, it was, it was a strange moment last night, I'll say that. Very strange moment. But, with that said, with that said, you know, overall, besides all that, it was pretty, de- it was a pretty good, um, a pretty good, you know, couple of days of work that I've had. Um, I will say this, it is one thing that does irritate me and other, you know, cust- other um, employees at retail shops, you know, stores. If there's one thing that really irritates us, and I'm sure even the customers that are in that same line, is when a customer decides to start looking for price matching if, you know, the store app that they have on the phone allow, you know, offers that, you know, option. Because you would think, okay, I got all my stuff, I'm going to go over to this section of the store where, you know, I have a little space, a little bit of peace. You think they would start doing it there, you know, in a, in a section that's not, you know, so, you know, just, you know, not so crowded, if you will, or so, 
I guess you could say annoying, annoying to some. But that's basically one thing that you know really kind of is a pet peeve of a lot of retail cashiers and even managers and people that are on the cashiering, or on the uh, cash registers, you know, to help out, is when people do that. And what they should do basically is wait. They need to wait, eight until they're done shopping. Go to a section before they get ready to cash out, and then, and then there, uh, basically start. You know, um, figuring out okay, what's the low price? What's the low price? What's the low price? They should wait until they're done completely shopping. Go to a section of the store they know they got some quiet, some space, and start doing it there. With instead of doing it, instead of waiting to go up to the register and start doing it there, while other people are in line. That's a pet peeve of of uh, cashiers like myself and customers because it's like you're holding up the line. Why are you doing this? You know why are you doing this now? You could have done. You could have waited after you were done shopping, and getting the items you needed. Go to a section of the store, do it there, and then come to the register. You know, uh, you know. So yeah, it was. Um, it's one of those uh, scenarios where it's like you could have just done this before you got up here, and then let us know. And there are some that do, but most of the time it's like, okay, whatever. And then, of course, there are the customers that, from a culture standpoint, I say with all due respect, culture standpoint, you know, are so used to doing things a certain way because of other stores they've been in, they don't understand, oh, we have price checkers around here. We have automatic computerized price checkers at certain parts of the store. You can check the price there. Or, oh, if you're looking for a price match, just go on your phone and see whether or not it's cheaper or the same price in store. You know, and that way you don't have to, you know, hold up the line, you know, for other potential customers, you know, who are trying to, you know, finish their shopping because that's what they're doing. You know, that's essentially what they're doing. And then, of course, you got the people that will come out and say, oh, that, that go, will come out and say, oh, no, uh, that was uh, this price. This was on clearance. This was on clearance. And you'll have to be like, okay, whatever. Take your word for it. Take the word for it. Customers are always right, right? Take the word for it. Da, da, da. You know, there you go. But then, but then, I've mentioned this before. There are people that will buy stuff that you know is not on that, it's not the price they're telling you or they're showing you. But again, customers right. And customers always right. And here's the thing. Here's what I and any other cashier or retailer employee associate ask of our customers no matter where you work and that is if you can't afford it don't buy it that's all we're asking if you can't afford it just say i i thought about this and i realized i don't have the money please put it back that's all you have to do don't don't come up with a lie or an excuse saying it's this because it's not also also, another thing that I think gets on a lot of people's nerves, especially the employees, is customers don't understand that when there's a promo for like 50% off on something, that usually means it's 50% off if it's part of a promo that's, let's say, you know, in addition to something else. Like, for example, let me, let me see if I can find something here. Uh, let me see if I can find something here as a good example. Okay, I'm going to take out one of the Sonic books Frank Hill gave me, the most recent one. At our job right now, 
they have what is known as buy one, get one 50% off. And a lot of customers do understand that, thank God. They do understand that. But then there are customers that don't. And again, I can understand it's a cultural di culture, cultural difference. And I do, and I say that with all due respect, you know, no offense. All due respect, no offense. I can understand it's a misunderstanding cultural-wise. Because some of them will look at this and be like, no, 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 that, that, that's also 50%, you know, this 50% off, right? And when you try to, you know, explain to them maybe it's this way, they don't hear it. You know, they don't, they don't hear it. Or when you try to say, oh, like for me, I, I have to ask them, do you have Target Red Card with us? Do you have the Target Circle app or a phone number with us? Because that will help them, you know, get the promo, get the deal. And when they don't, then you ring it up, up and everything to come up to like regular price or what it would be without the promo. You know, they will say, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's 50% too. And that's 50%. That's 50%. That's 50%. And it's like, okay, okay, fine fine whatever not gonna argue because you know one again customer is always right you know customer is always right but also the fact that you know that culture wise culture wise you know they don't understand because they're used to doing it at other stores that are not a target that are not a walmart that are not a ross that are not a, you know a coles or a macy's or whatever they're so used to doing it you know in the ways that they've been at those other stores, they don't get, oh, this is how it's done. Oh, this is what I'm supposed, this is why it's on, you know, it has this 50% uh, off. They don't understand that because it's a cultural difference. And I understand, and all due respect, no offense, I completely get it. That's why I don't argue. That's why I don't say anything. And when, even when it's not a cultural difference, and some people probably don't, are probably misinterpreting the deals where it's like, well, I thought I'd get a $10 gift card, $15 gift card because of this. You know, uh, you basically as the, uh, the the cashier, the employee, you have to go by that old saying of customers always right. So you're going like, okay, fine, no problem. And what you do is you end up basically giving them that deal. You give them basically two gift cards because we can only go up to the max amount of $10. So you basically give them two separate gift cards or maybe one separate or one individual gift card for for free because they they misinterpreted the the uh, the deal or the per, you know perspective of oh I'm supposed to have the the, the Walmart uh, the Target wallet the Target Circle app or the you know red card or the even the uh number or even my phone number with them to get the deal. And again, I understand I understand, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, you know, that's hard to, um, that's, that's hard to, you know, that, that's hard to really uh, consume. And sometimes, you know, I think they do understand, but they don't want to go out and get, you know, they don't want to put their number out there, or they don't want to apply for a red card, or even, you know, have the, or even bother using the app. So I can understand that they just do that because, you know, they they don't want to they don't want to go through any of that and maybe the fact that they don't have that much money, but again that goes back to what I said earlier. If you don't have the money to get it, then don't buy it and they just say, hey, I I thought about this. I don't have the money, here. And that's about it. That's all you need to do. You shouldn't have to make up lies or excuses, because you can't tell me that if you have kids with you, they're not looking at you when you get in the car and say like, 
Mom, Dad, you just lied. You know, that's not a good example for them. Or when you buy something and you're going to present it maybe as a gift uh, to somebody and that person looks up the original price of what you paid maybe out of curiosity and then they go to you and be like, you seriously paid, you know, nine ninety five for this? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, right? And then they show you the real real price and be like, you lied about the you lied about it, didn't you? You know, they're going to catch you. They will catch you. So my advice to any customers out there, my advice is if your favorite retail store has an app and in that app, it gives you the opportunity to look up the price to see whether or not it's cheaper online or in store, you know, or, you know, gives you a chance to price match. Use it that way. That way you're not holding up a line. Two, you know, two, again, uh, if the store has, you know, price checkers, you know, price little checkers across the store to check the price on, do it then and don't hold up the line. Okay? And most importantly, if you know you can't afford it, don't come out to the customer, uh, don't go up to customer service or the cash cashier and lie to the face when they know you're lying. Because it's not a good look for you. And by extension, it's not a good look for the employee, the associate, the attendee, or even the store they're working for, or the company they're working for. Because what's the point of making money off an item that's being, you know, uh, that's being sold at this price if you're trying to get it for cheaper? And I also say this in closing before we finally get to the topics, because I know we've been doing this, you know, this vlog portion of it, you know, for a while, this intro, intro vlog. I will say this. With all due respect, from a culture standpoint, please get members of your family, members of your family, that understand the difference between the local stores you may go to and retail stores that you go to. Help them to go along with you so you have a better understanding of, oh, this is why this gets sold this way. This is how things are done differently here than they are at my place. So that way you could balance out the fact that, okay, what I try to do at, let's say, Target is not going to fly, but it will fly at the place I usually go to. And that's about it. That's about it. So with all due respect, no offense, please, if you have family members out there, help them understand that. That's, that's all I'm asking on behalf of a lot of employees across the retail landscape. But... With that said, gonna take a bit of a break here, guys. Gonna open some windows because apparently it's 65, 66 degrees out. So hold on for a sec while I do this. Get some fresh air in here.
Okay, back here. Just opened up some of the doors a little bit, get some fresh air and everything. It's about 65, 66 degrees today. So, pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Uh, anyway, though, let's get on to the topics now that we are at 37 minutes and uh, 40 seconds. Let's get on to the topics here that we're going to talk about. And I will timestamp them um, along the way. So, here, the topics we're going to talk about are, uh, number one, more on the three Disney sequels of Frozen 3, Toy Story 5, and Zootopia 2. Now, I did give you guys... Um, you know, some, some of my thoughts on it last night as I was walking home, um, you know, from the bus stop, basically halfway home anyway, from the bus stop. So, uh, I'll give you more thoughts here, uh, on, you know, these, uh, the announcement of these sequels, you know, and how I see, see them playing out. The second topic, we're going to talk about the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Yes. Nintendo Direct had uh, Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct yesterday, and they made the announcement that Game Boy Co Game Boy Game Boy that the Game Boy Game Boy Color games and Game Boy Advance games are coming to Nintendo Switch. So yeah, you'll basically get a chance to play the games, you know, as always meant to be portable. Uh, number three, we'll talk about HBO Max and Discovery Plus to remain separate streaming services. We'll get into that, you know, exactly how that's going to work. Number four, we will talk about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey director, the, the person behind it, plans to create low-budget, quote-unquote, twisted childhood horror universe with Bambi, Peter Pan, and more. So basically anything that's in public domain that you might associate a lot, a lot with Disney and stuff is going to get this treatment. Uh, number five, we will, ha we will talk about movies being released in two to three parts to tell the whole story in the, you know, is, you know, is the new norm. Well, basically, movies being released in two to three parts to tell the whole story is the new norm. We'll talk about that. Uh, number six, we'll talk about All Elite Wrestling, AEW having issues with AAA, thanks in part because of WWE. And uh, number seven, we'll talk about the belief is that Vince McMahon's present in presence is a hindrance and not a help in the WWE sale negotiations. And number eight, we'll talk about the Velma season one finally coming to an end. With you know, with see, well, basically, we'll talk about Velma season one uh, ending, but will season two, uh, despite being greenlit, actually happen? So we'll talk about those right there and then so that's something to look forward to guys so you know so i'm just happy that we're going to get that we're going to get that so with that said i do have some adventures i'll be able to use and again i do apologize uh for any um any lag that may occur i do apologize for any lag that may occur here uh, but i'm going to pop up the first image here that's going to help us talk about our first topic. If it comes up. Come on. Come on. There we go. And. If you get it right about there. There we go. 
So yeah, the first topic we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, is of course, what I, like I said, I did a video on it yesterday when I was halfway home from being dropped off by the bus. More, we're going to talk more on the three sequels announced by Bob Iger at the investors conference call that he did recently with, you know, for Disney. We're going to talk about basically the uh, Disney uh, sequels for uh, Frozen 3, Toy Story 4, I mean, not 4, but Toy Story 5, and Zootopia 2. Yes, Frozen 3, uh, Toy Story uh, 5, and Zootopia 3. Okay, just making sure everything's working there. But yeah, it was announced. It was announced that, you know, we, that right now, currently in development, I don't know if they're in pre-development, you know, like pre-production or in actual development to where it's like in production, it's happening, you know, they got the animation going, stories are complete, story is ready to go. You know, we're not entirely sure. But yeah, the announcement was made that these three films are heading our way. And a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, of course were wondering, especially being fans of them, what took it so long for these three to be greenlit. And we have to remember that the person that preceded or that um, succeeded and proceeded uh, Bob Iger, that being Bob Chapek, you got to remember he came out and basically... I guess you could say slammed animation as if, as if being only for kids. So I think that's why we didn't get any kind of announcement at the time that we would be getting these sequels. But Bob Iger, he steps back on in after Chapek was let go. And he's like, you know, I don't know what Chapek's been doing, but these are billion dollar franchises. Why aren't we continuing with them? Why aren't we working with them? And now we're getting it. Now we're getting those uh, answers of, of those questions finally answered with the announcement of these uh, films happening. Now, I know some people, and I was watching John Campia. He was talking about this uh, as well, and he it was actually a topic that it was actually three topics, you know, separated because of one question that somebody submitted, you know, to him. And and basically. You know, he talked about how a lot of people would complain and cry and whine about the fact of, oh, you're going to ruin Toy Story. You know, two, you know, Toy Story 2 was, was good as it was. 3 was good as it was. Don't, you know, stop, stop piling on more. Why, why do you keep doing this? And one thing that was pointed out by 3C Films, because he was talking about it too, and I think, I don't think uh, Campia talked about it much or even alluded to it, but 3C Films talked about that this is usually, you know, like, okay, breaking case of emergency situation when it comes to Toy Story. Because Buzz Lightyear, because Lightyear last year was supposed to be like that evolution where it told like an original origin story of how the actual, of how Buzz actually came, you know, as a toy, you know, was inspired, was, or came to be, like how, what he was inspired by. And obviously it didn't succeed and, you know, now Disney, Disney, I guess, is saying, okay, Pixar, boom, we need you to do this. So, yeah, apparently they had to, you know, I guess, and, you know, from 3C Films' perspective, had to, you know, break the glass, the emergency glass, to say, okay, we need another Toy Story. Now, that, now that's just his opinion. It may, that may not be true. That may not be true. That's just his opinion. 
But I will say this. I will say this. Um, like I said, you know, I will say this. As I mentioned last night, you know, this does open the door for potential uh, ideas to flourish. You know, potential story ideas to really take off in ways that they couldn't do before. Because they were limited, you know, because of like where the toys would be located at and with who. And there are many, you know, many possible, you know, scenarios, you know, many possible scenarios here uh, for the for the toys, you know, to, you know, be explored with. I mean, one scenario that 3C Films brought up is we could be potentially, if not probably will be, you know, years in the future. And Bonnie might be at that age to where she's more about, you know, the do 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 on a phone than she is, you know, with the toys. You know, she'll be more with this and everything. And you know what? Wouldn't put it past them if this becomes a character. I wouldn't put it past them. You know, because no one thought. No one thought. And I'll show you this right now. I don't know if I can get it. Hold on. No one thought, no one thought that Forky here would, you know, would be a, you know, would be presented as a toy. But what they did, basically, concept-wise, is they came up with the idea that, hey, you know, Bonnie created him, and thus she created a toy. And it brought up the, the idea that it's a kid, a kid's love and affection for a toy that either is given to them when they're from when they're you know born, or for their birthday or Christmas or whatever that they, you know, hold on to as their very first toy, as the, or probably the toy that you know, you know, they they will never let go because it's something they adore, or that brings life to it, and or in this case, it's you know the creativity and the love that uh, you know a toy. You know, that a child has to, you know, create their own that brings life to it. So, you know, basically when Forky got involved, you know, nobody thought, you know, people, well, I, I don't think, I'm not saying nobody thought, but when they went the Forky route, what I'm trying to say, when they went the Forky route, it really surprised people because that was a, uh, that's a concept, an idea that I don't think nobody thought would be explored, that the kid's imagination the creativity, you know, brings a toy like this to life. Brings something that shouldn't be viewed as a toy to life. And that's what happened with Forky. He was brought to life because of Bonnie's creativity and everything. And her desire to have, like, something new and original toy-wise. You know, so that's basically the concept they came up with was, you know, it's a child's love for the toy, you know, their imagination that they use 
with that toy that helps bring it to life. It's the love, creativity, and imagination that helps bring that toy to life. And nobody thought that, and, and when they saw that happen with Forky, it's like, so she created a toy, thus she gave it life. You know, what does that mean? You know, you know how is that possible? And again, I don't think, I don't think they even real, I don't think they, you know, realized that that was something that could be done or be explored. So if you, if they can explore something like that, what makes you think they won't explore something like this as, you know, being brought to life when nobody's using it? Like when the kids are not around. Can you imagine? You could use this as the antagonist being like, look, I'm always being hugged or lugged around by Bonnie. She loves me more now than you guys. It, it basically, I mean, they could do a story where, you know, you could do a character like this, you know, as maybe a an antagonist or a pro pro antagonist, whatever you want to call him, or pro yeah, protagonist antagonist. You know, basically an antagonist that becomes a protagonist or whatever. And you could have him, you know, act like he's the most coveted thing Bonnie has if they make her older and at that age that three C films said they could. Or potentially could go down, uh, down you know, down the road with, you know, to where you could do a story where he's like, hey, I'm the most coveted thing she has now. You guys are obsolete, but then he gets replaced by something better, and then he realizes, you know, how he's acted towards the other toys, and now he understands why being around Bonnie is so, uh, why, you know, being around, uh, basically why Bonnie, you know, his, uh, affection and love for them is always important. Because they don't want to, because without her love and affection, they they become obsolete. They become forgotten and everything. And you know what? Maybe you can explore potentially a toy dying. We've never seen that before. Like, what happens after so long? I mean, we kind of got an idea that toys will be forgotten. You know, they will be tossed aside and forgotten. We saw that in Toy Story 2 with Jesse. We saw that. But... What happens if they get to a point to where they're just, you know, they're forgotten for so long? And I'm not just talking, you know, forgotten and then found maybe like a couple of days later or something like that, a couple of months later. What if they're long, what if they are being forgotten for so long because things like this are starting to replace them? You know, you know, what happens? Do they become obsolete or do they start, you know, dying? Does something happen that, you know, takes away that love and that care and that imagination to help bring them to life, you know, what happens when that starts to leave? Does it affect them? That's something they could explore, as dark as it sounds. That's something they could explore. Now, there's other ways they could do it, too. They could also, you know, go the route of, you know, focusing on Woody and Bo Beep. Now, Tim Allen said, hey, I'll see you, you know, for number five, you know, Woody, a.k.a. Tom Hanks. So... You know, so who, you know, so there could be, you know, different scenarios they can go with. They could reunite them or something. We'll have to see. But there could be an idea to where you get two separate stories, you know, in one movie that do connect, you know, probably towards the end or towards the middle. They have an interconnection uh, between each other that brings them back together. So you could have two separate plots that come together with one plot. And one of those plots, you know, could involve Woody and Bo Beep. You know, in the new roles of as rescuers, people, not people, but toys that rescue other toys from being abandoned and help fi finding them new homes. 
and stuff. Well, on the other side, you could have Buzz and Jesse taking up the leadership roles that, you know, Woody and by extension, Bo Peep left behind and saying, hey, you know, we're not going to let some new fangle phone or whatever make us obsolete. You know, we're going to, you know, show Bonnie why she need, why we, we, why we're still important to her and everything. So, so that's something they can do. I mean, they, I mean, basically the door is open for either way that they go with. It's open. It's open for either way that they want to go with. And I can tell you, whatever they choose, despite how people might feel about this, because they've said this before time and time again, don't, why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep bringing out more? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, people will appreciate the effort that gets put into this. And again, however they do it, whether it's two separate plots that come together in one scenario, one big plot, you know, towards the middle of the film or whatever, that's fine. If it's, you know, them communicating and finding out, hey, they have something in common, you know, when it comes to certain situations that, again, brings them together, so be it. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think the most logical next step, obviously, is to go down this route, you know, with this as your, you know, at first your antagonist and then protagonist after what I mentioned potentially could happen. Now, the other story, that, now the other uh, sequel they announced was Frozen 3. And me, I like Frozen. I love Frozen. Heck, I'm a big Elsa fan. I don't think anybody could deny that. I am a huge Elsa fan. I love Elsa. My mom likes Anna. That's great. I like Anna too. But Elsa, she, I don't know what, I, I don't know what it is with Elsa. I think it's the way they created her and all that. That's like, if you couldn't make a better waifu than what you got here, then I don't know what. But you have to ask yourself, okay, what do they do with Frozen 3? How does this happen? What's the story here? And to me, I think the story, as I mentioned in my video last night, coming home, there's one scenario, scenario you could go down. And that's having Christopherson and Anna having a kid. And that kid, somehow, because Elsa's her aunt, his or her aunt, that kid inherits powers similar to Elsa. Maybe it's not winter-based. Maybe it's fall-based, summer-based, spring-based. Who knows? But she develops, she or he, you know, develops powers similar to Elsa. That's something you could explore. That'd be like the logical next step in everything. And I wouldn't mind it. I mean, if this, they could tell a good story out of that, people would be flocking to the theaters to see it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, with that said, with that said, there's also, you know, something else that I brought up. That with Frozen 3, yeah, you could have a good story, you know, which is, the, which is always important. You could have a good story. But you could also try to be a little bit more or less dramatic and more silly. And since you have Elsa in this new role, well, she's a, basically a... Uh, what is she? What is she now? A, a snow spirit, a, a spirit of winter, or something like that. You know, her powers have evolved. You could have her. You know, have fun with it. You could have her have fun with it along with Olaf, because I think I I do believe Olaf has to stay with her, doesn't he? 
Unless her powers evolve so much that he doesn't have to. I think he has to stay with her. You could, you could, you know, have some fun with that. You could have her have fun with Olaf. Maybe, you know, show how much her powers evolved. Heck, maybe she turns into a snow woman companion for him just for, just for the heck of it. Just to give him a fun time. Um, if you will. Not in the ways you're thinking. Get your minds out of the gutter. Maybe she does that. Maybe she could turn herself into a statue, an ice statue without actually doing it, doing it because she has to die and be reborn. But actually turn into it for fun and all that and everything. Just, you know, just have a little bit of mischief thrown in there for her and everything. And, you know, along with a good story, I think that, I think that could work. I think it could work and all that. You, you never know. Heck, you can maybe have her show how far she's evolved with her powers to the point that she turns into actual snow and everything. Maybe for, maybe for, you know, the kid that inherit, you know, that Elsa, that, not Elsa, but Christopherson and Anna have. Maybe she turns into snow for them to, you know, play around with and everything and then reforms. We don't know. You know, there are many, many options. You know, may, maybe they go down a route to where, you know, she gets summoned by these other seasonal spirits. And she realizes that, you know, you know that she is now more than what she is. She's now basically no longer human. She is basically now a god or a goddess. And everything, and that she can only, and that maybe, maybe they tell her, hey, you can't always, you know, visit your family willy-nilly whenever you want, because you are a spirit, a goddess of winter, you can only, you know, show up during those times. You know, that's something they could do, too. That's something they could do, too. I mean, you know, again, the possibilities are completely endless, you know, when it comes to whatever direction they go for Frozen 3. Now you might say, well, what if they want to focus on Olaf? You know, again, that can fall into the lines of making it a little bit more lighthearted, more sillier, also having fun with her powers, being a snow woman for him and all that. It could work too. Just saying. But who knows? Who knows? Heck, who's to say you don't have Elsa freaking melt into a puddle of you know water or something like that just to have fun, just to see how far she go she can expand her powers before reforming. Like she melts into a puddle of water and then, you know, flows along and then freezes and then reforms. Who's, who's to say that can happen? You know, again, you know, possibilities are there. Possibilities are there. But, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do. But, you know, a Frozen 3 movie, I'm all for it. I'm all for it because I, I know that they will do more, more than they, I think anybody could expect them to. I, th I think they will. I think they will do more excuse me, than what you would expect them to. But that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. But let me know what your thoughts are. What do you think about Frozen 3? What do you think they could do? Let me know. Uh, the other one that they announced, of course, was, excuse me, was Zootopia 2. And Zootopia 2, of course, I'm trying to pull this out here without making a mess. Probably going to make a mess anyway. Zootopia 2, of course, featuring everybody's favorite Officer Bunny, Judy Hopps, and the now former con on, if you will, turn cop, uh, Nick Wilde, her partner. Um, you know, Zootopia 2 coming out. Um, I cannot... 
I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait for that because, you know, this is a movie that you could explore a lot with, honestly. I mean, if Zootopia Plus, which is the series they put on, uh, the, uh, the anthology uh, series they put on uh, Disney Plus, if that gives you any idea of what they're capable of doing, imagine that being expanded into a full-fledged story. I'm just saying. But you ask yourself, what do they do? What's, you know, where, where does this take place? Well, mistakenly, I thought it was going to be seven years after the first film. You know, like, storyline-wise. And it still might be. still might be. But it's actually going to be seven years this year since the first movie released. And now we're getting the announcement of a sequel. And, you know, to me, I think the reason we didn't get much of an announcement outside of Zootopia Plus was because of the fact that they didn't want to hurry it up. And again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, Bob Chapek basically said, look, these cartoons are for kids, not adults. And it's like, dude, who are you talking to? Right? Anyway, anyway, basically, you know, that basically, I think the reason we got Zootopia Plus was to kind of test the water. To see how people would be receptive to another Zootopia, maybe. And now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. We are getting a Zootopia 2. But again, when does it take place? You know, what's gonna, what is it going to be about? And I could see it. I could see it, one. I could see it involving Gazelle a lot more. Whether or not Shakira's doing her voice again or not. I could see it maybe focusing on a romance, you know, between Nick and Judy developing, which would really test the boundaries. Because if you, you know, because if you remember, if you remember correctly, Zootopia was kind of like a take on racism, you know, with the whole prey and predator situation. So if you do a romance as part of the story for Zootopia 2 between our two main characters, Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde, Holy crap. Can you really expand on what you did, you know, in the first film with that? Because not only would you potentially have Judy's family, you know, who have been more forgiving because of that one character uh, that, you know, uh, grew up as well. They used to be a bully to Judy, but then kind of like, you know, grew up, grew out of that and realized how much of a jerk he was, you know. You know, can you imagine how her family would react to meeting Nick? And I'm sure they have. But can you imagine Nick's family meeting them and maybe not being out of that predatorial mindset? Just saying. Um, you could also set it up to where, uh, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Mary Lamb, I think. That's what, who it was, the, tri the one that was the twist villain. You know, you could have it set up to where she gets out of jail and she plots revenge. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe you tie it into the potential romance between both Nick and Judy. And she's going to use that to sabotage the trust now between Prey and Predator. By maybe doing something that makes it look like Nick's going to kill Judy or something. We don't know. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, if there's anything we know about when it comes to taking your time with sequels, especially especially if it's years or decades, is sometimes the story needs the story needs time to really be 
you know, worked on to where it makes sense if it's going to connect somewhat to the first. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, yeah, to me, um, to me, you know, with Zootopia 2, the, you can go anywhere with it. You can involve anybody. You know, like, you know, what's going to go on with Clawhausen and everything? You know, is it a I mean, are they going to use Clawhausen to eventually have him come out in the movie and say, yeah, I'm LGBTQ? You know, are they going to do that? Are they going to have the chief, which is like his best bud, best friend, come out and say, yeah, I'm LGBTQ as well, and I'm his friend. I mean, I'm his partner, literal partner, if you know what I mean. We don't know. You know, is, or is Clawhausen going to, you know, end up, you know, with Gazelle. We don't know. It's possible. We don't know. Or what role will Gazelle play? Will she play more of a prominent role than she did in the last film? These are questions that hopefully they will get answered. But, yeah. Yeah, overall, I, I have no problem with a, a sequel to Zootopia. I really don't. And I cannot wait to see it when it comes out. So, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are, though, guys, on Zootopia 2, Frozen 3, and Toy Story 5. How do you feel about them coming out and everything? And now, as I remove this, let's move on to our next topic. Our next topic at an um, hour and... Um, going to wait for it to get to there. But let's move on to our next topic at an hour and six and seven minutes, 67 minutes. And that is the Game Boy, uh, the Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Now, like I mentioned, and I'm sure you know about this, uh, Nintendo, Direct, Nintendo did a Nintendo Direct yesterday. And they surprised everybody with the announcement that now on your Switch... You could play, you know, I don't know if it's immediately available now or it will be. You can play Game Boy and Game Bo Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance games. You know, you know, uh, whenever you want. Now, I don't, again, I don't know if it's available yet. I'm going to check. But like I said, I don't know if it's available yet. But it's a, it is a great announcement to hear. It is a great announcement to hear because we all know... That the Game Boy uh, it was basically the the start. Oh, they are available now. How about that? They are available now. And let's see. Oh yeah, they're available now. It's pretty cool. But I think for the Game Boy Advance, I I think they said you need the expansion pack. Let me check. I think they said you need the expansion pack for for Game Boy Advance. Let me see. I don't think you do. Now I don't know if you do or not, but 
you know, it, it, it is great to, to know. It's great to, to see that we're going to get this uh, now, you know, to be, be able to play it uh, portably, you know, um, at home and on the go. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And this is the Game Boy Advance stuff. Again, I don't know, if, you know, like I say, if you need the expansion pack or, or not. You know, I'm not sure about that. See, uh, what, what, what am I going to go back to? Okay, here we go. I'm not sure. I have to double check. But I do have basically the uh, 2DS and the DS, which were basically, you know, they <laughs> made it to exist. Well, that's not what I want. Um, let's see. Let's, anyway. Made it to exist thanks to, of course, the Game Boy. The Game Boy is the one that set the tone. Now, you might say the Game & Watch did, but... And that's true, but the Game Boy is the one that set the tone. And I remember because, and I remember the Game Boy very well because my oldest sister got the Game Boy for her birthday. I remember that. I remember that very well. Um, but yeah, this is great. And the list of titles, I think they show you the list of titles they give you here. Um... I think they give you the list of titles. Um, they give you a list of titles here. Hold on. Hold on for a sec. Yeah, that, that right there is the first group of titles that they have coming out. I think. As the first group of titles they got coming out. Um, I don't know if you can see it. It's a little bit of glare, so try to tilt it a little bit. Kind of putting it out of the glare. Yeah, but there you go. Those are the group of titles that they have coming up for the Game Boy. Uh, a, a version on the on the switch which I think is really great and everything um, like I said I don't know about the advance whether or not you need the expansion pack or you don't uh, according to Andre Meadows when he talked about it it says you you needed the expansion pack if you were going to get both so you know so I I, I don't I don't know I mean, I do have a Game Boy Advance, believe it or not. I do. And I have the Game Boy Advance for the, the Switch. I mean, not Switch, but for the, um, you know, for the, the GameCube and everything. But yeah, that is the Game Boy Advance coming, so that's pretty cool. And then, of course, those are the games um, at launch, I think. Yeah, those are the games at launch um, right now. Those are the games at launch. So. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And what's interesting about it, according to Andre Meadows, is we all remember the e-card readers, right? Now, unfortunately, I never had an e-card reader. 
but basically it allowed you to swipe cards uh, when you were playing certain games and unlock things like in case of let's say the super mario brothers 3 release on advance you could play different levels newer levels that they put in there which is really nice so yeah they only have like a couple of titles out right now uh, as you noticed and i'm pretty sure you've heard of currently but there are more planned for future release they do have others down the pipeline and it does sound like they're only going to be focusing mainly on pure Nintendo titles or licensed titles and all that. Uh, they might throw in a few third-party games here and there after they've worked out a few kinks. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about this because again, because, because again, we got to remember, this thing wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the Game Boy. I mean, this thing is part console, home console, part portable console and again if, if it wasn't for the Game Boy we wouldn't be talking about it as a matter of fact I, I don't know if I have it with me or, or not I don't think I do it, it's here somewhere I know I have my uh, game I have my <laughs> I have my uh, Game Boy Advance somewhere I just don't know where I put it it's here somewhere, though. It is here somewhere. And there go my bucks. <laughs> I gotta fix that. I gotta fix that. Hold on. There go my books. On my music stand. Gotta fix that. Here we go. Anyway, though, there you go. Anyway, though, yeah, like I said, I do have a Game Boy Advance. It's somewhere. I think I have it put away somewhere. I just got to find it. Um, but, yeah, you know, the thing is, but, yeah, like I said, you know, it's great to know that they're doing this because I think they realize that if they really want to show that the Switch is an all-in-one system, you know, then why not take it to that next level? I mean, you're already incorporating some... Uh, you know, N64 games, you know, if you will. So it's only natural to take it, you know, to the, take it up into the next direction and bring in games that really, you know, show off the portability of Switch by basically honoring how it all began. So, so yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait to download this and renew my uh, online subscription so I can actually play some of these games again. Um, you know, on a more crystal, crystalified, more crystal clear, crystalified screen. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And let me know what your guys' thoughts are. What are your thoughts on uh, Nintendo Switch bringing in Game Boy and Game Boy Advance? And do you think DS and D, you know, and do you think DS and 3DS are just around the corner as as well? Because again, if they want to really emphasize that this is an all-in-one system. Then the next obvious steps, portable-wise, would be DS and 3DS. And then, of course, um, I would assume GameCube, you know, GameCube and Wii. Those are the next ones, but it's going to take time for those. But I guarantee you, over time, we're going to probably get there. But let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Let me know uh, what your thoughts are on, you know, the Switch. You know, bringing these, uh, bringing all this, you know, to it. And all that. Let me know what your thoughts are. Love to hear your opinions on each and every one of those um, as we speak. Because again, it'll be worth, in my opinion, 
just you know having having the ability to bring that on the go and actually play games on the go like we used to the classic ones you know in a very nostalgic kind of way now with that said as we approach uh 77 minutes 77 and a half minutes here which is an hour and 17 let's talk about our next topic number three hbo max and discovery plus to remain separate streaming services now what that means basically according to the various reports uh uh hbo max warner brothers discovery uh, we'll start off that warner brothers discovery originally was planning on merging both HBO Max and Discovery into one streaming service. But I think after figuring out, oh, wait a minute, consumers are not going to want to pay a certain you know, price that's a lot higher than what they're doing right now, maybe it's better to backtrack. Now, does that mean some Discovery programming is not going to find its way onto Max? Not, 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 not necessarily. Not necessarily, because... Long story short, yes, they are being kept separate entities for right now, but that does not mean HBO Max will not have several Discovery Plus series incorporated over to their service. Because the way I look at it is Discovery Plus might be the home of, you know, the content that's new and original, but HBO Max will house it maybe like a month or two or maybe a day later after it after it premieres or maybe a week later after it premieres so that way you have not one but two you know possible um, areas to watch it in uh but again i think the real reason is because they realize not everybody's going to want to pay you know one major price and i also think they haven't really and this is just my opinion i think for all the talking that they did i i don't think they were able to figure out you know the best I guess you could say layout, strategic layout, menu-wise for the service. You know, because you already have HBO Max, like on the on the left side here. You know, you already have a section of here's Studio Ghibli, here's Cartoon Network, here's DC, here's Looney Tunes, and here's WWB stuff and all that. You know, you have all that already listed if you will, on the side, already categorized. So to add in additional stuff would make it a little less confusing. So I think one of the things that probably made them change their minds, in my opinion, is the fact that it might have been too, uh, uh, I guess you could say, confusing for anybody to, um, for anybody to try to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Try to navigate. There we go. I think it became too confusing uh, for anybody to try to uh, navigate. So, yeah, in my opinion, you know, if I'm if I'm worried about this discovery, yeah, maybe maybe I stick to keeping it the way it is now, as you're planning to do. And if you want to over time, if you want to over time, incorporate. You know, programming from Discovery Plus to HBO Max, you know, uh, over time, over time. But if it, but here's the thing: if the viewership numbers for it on Max are not good, then you could just send it back to Discovery Plus. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But yeah, 
I think again one of the main re- one of the main reasons I think I've heard is nobody wants to play pay a higher price for this combined service, but I also think that it's a little bit too cumbersome for them to try to strategically come up with a menu layout that'll be easier to access. Because again, you have Discovery and all its channels, and you know, and you know, uh, sectional channels on the on their service, and you have HBO Max with its category, and it's like, you know, what do you, you know, what what's an easier idea? Like, what's a better, you know, scenario and uh, outlook uh, in the long run? What's a better scenario and outlook in the long run uh, to work with? And I think the most obvious is uh, basically keeping it, you know, as it is. You know, don't really fix anything. Don't really, you know, attempt to change things out just yet. And if you still want to do that, take your time with it. Just because you might plan it out and announce it, you know, a year ahead, doesn't mean within that next year or so you're going to be able to come up with a good idea. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. And if you need to bring in people to help you categorize, you know, you know how you're gonna, you know, sort things out in an organized way for uh, for a menu for a menu layout that will be easy to navigate, not just for you but for the consumers. If you need to take your time in doing that and bringing other people in to do it, then do it. Then do that. That's a lot easier. It's a lot easier direction to to go in over time in my opinion, because if you go and just straight out make it happen, it's going to, you know, even though it might work, it's going to throw people off because they're so used to things being a certain way. That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. But, but yeah, right now, they're being kept separate because I think of cost measuring. You know, the price might be too much. You know, might cause them to lose subscribers on both fronts. So I think over time... You know, certain shows from Discovery Plus will drift over. But I think after they premiere on Discovery Plus or some of those sister-related channels, and then afterwards, I think they might slowly integrate Plus into HBO Max, but do it as they come up with a more strategic, you know, more organized, more easy to, you know, uh, search uh, menu layout than probably what they had on the table. And maybe come up with a a price plan that everybody on both ends of the spectrum, subscriber-wise, can agree on and say, "Yeah, I, that I can work with that. That that works for me." You know, so, uh, so hopefully, so hopefully, maybe this is just you know, a temporary. So hopefully, maybe for them, not for us, but hopefully for them, it's a temporary deal, and maybe for us, it's, and hopefully for us, it's a permanent deal. We'll have to see. But let me know what your thoughts are. How do you feel about you know Discovery Plus? And HBO Max being kept separate as we speak, you know, as services. What are your thoughts about it? And do you think inevitably they will merge? But that part of the reason they're not doing so right now is because of the price hike that might scare off, if not indeed will scare off subscribers. And do you think maybe, from what I've speculated, it's potentially the fact that they haven't really come up with a more simplified, organized, um, I guess you could say menu and search layout, you know, when it comes to, you know, both services being as one overall. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this entire scenario because it'll be 
it'll be interesting to get your opinion on it as we speak. And guys, remember to hit the subscribe button and the like button to get this up, as well as to know when more videos are coming your way. Also support me at Venmo at Brian-Walmer-2, Cash App at BWRoses98. But open, also check out my Teespring store as well for merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Those are all in the description box, guys, uh, to click on or to look into. Also support me at DeviantArt.com, says BVW1979. Patreon.com at BWRoses, the $1, $3 tier. BWRoses discusses all your favorite audio podcast locations, except for Pandora, where you will get an audio podcast of this uh, eventually very soon after we're all said and done. Also, ladies and gentlemen, support me at Vimo for content you can't get anywhere else. Also at BW Roses. Alright, so next up. Next up here. We have number four. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey director, plans to create low-budget, twisted, quote-unquote twisted, childhood horror universe with Bambi, Peter Pan, and more. That's right. It looks like the ink came off just a little bit here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, the people behind Winnie, Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which comes out uh, next week, uh, from what I understand, here in the States. It's already come out in Mexico, and it's become a huge box office success there. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, it's coming out next week. And originally, as we all know, it was supposed to be just like a limited theatrical run and then put on the streaming, whatever. But it got so much publicity for the fact that it's Winnie the freaking Pooh, Piglet, and every, you know, Winnie the freaking Pooh and Piglet going after Christopher Robin and his friends. You know, trying to kill them. And it got so much publicity. So much publicity that it was pretty much agreed agreed upon. Yeah, let's make this theatrical. And already in parts of the world like Mexico. And that's my mom. I hold on for a sec. I told you that was going to happen. Hello? Told you that was going to happen. Do I call him or do I call him? <laughs> That's why I was kind of like, you might have noticed, like, I was looking over here, looking at the time a little bit. Yeah. I, I told you that was going to happen. And it did. It did. But anyway, like I said, uh, originally, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was supposed to, you know, just be low budget, limited release in theaters and all that. And then maybe direct to VOD. But it got so much publicity, it was like, pretty much decided to put it out on um, you know, out in the theaters and already as I mentioned Mexico wise in Mexico it has become a huge box office hit and I think the reason it's becoming it's getting so much publicity even though it's a low budget horror film is due to the fact that it's Winnie the like I was saying it's Winnie the freaking Pooh Winnie the freaking Pooh and Piglet going after Christopher Robin and his friends 
And the reason this is happening is because last year, last year, that that's right, you heard me. Last year, Winnie the Pooh, the early works of Winnie the Pooh, went into public domain. What that meant is that anybody, and I mean anybody, could get their hands on Winnie the Pooh and basically do what they wanted with it, at least as far as the early works are concerned. And that's what they're doing. <laughs> you know, that's what this low, low but this director of the Blood and Honey is doing. And now, since he's notices the publicity it's getting, he's not going to stop. Because now, he's focusing on Bambi. And Bambi, I think, is going to be like a machine. Like, I don't know what, what it's going to be. Like a reanimated deer corpse that's a machine now going after people. You know, he's going to do it with Peter Pan. How that works, I do not know. I mean, I do know the original Peter Pan is a little darker than what we than what we've seen. So you gotta wonder, like, how twisted can he go with this? And then, and then, he's also thinking of doing other stories. Now we now here's the thing. Here's what's interesting too. Disney's been. Re, I don't know if you guys know about this. Disney's been releasing these twisted tales based on their adaptations of these fairy tales like Cinderella they've been doing one of Beauty and the Beast I think Snow White's got one they're doing some of these they're more like a twisted take of what ifs if you will you know what ifs or you know what happens if the roles were reversed or something like that or this occurred or that occurred this twisted takes you know so you know Disney obviously you know I don't know if they've had these books in the works for a while they probably have but I'm pretty sure, even though they were reluctant about it at first, probably saw what was going on here and said, hey, let's make our own twisted versions of these stories and we'll make them more lighthearted twisted, if you will. More of a Di more Disney-fied twisted, if you will. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, the director, though, he's planning to do a whole horror universe, low-budget horror universe with these characters. Bambi, Peter Pan... And who knows who else. And this is going to... And obviously, these are going to be more twisted than what Disney's presenting in those books. And that's a fact. It's going to be more twisted than what Disney's presenting in those books. You know, period. But, yeah. Basically, he plans to do more. And we know there's a lot more stories in the public domain as we speak that he could work with. I mean, Bambi and Peter Pan have already been announced. You know, after, to take place after, you know, Winnie the Pooh. But then who's next? Who's next? I'll tell you who I think he's going to go after next. Pinocchio. Yeah. Think about it. We just had a whole year's worth of Pinocchio material. You know, from the Disney remake, to the Polly Shore one, to the Del Toro one. You know, we've had a whole slew of, you know... Um, Pinocchio material and Del Toro's was the darkest out of them all. But can you imagine if this director gets his hands on does it you know gets his hands on Pinocchio, which I think he's going to, and turns it into a twisted horror film to be part of his horror universe, low budget horror universe based on childhood stories. Can you imagine how twisted and horrific 
that would be. That, my friends, that, my friends, would be crazy. Just crazy. And I don't think any of us, any of us would deny, you know, how dark that could get. But there are other stories, too. There are other stories, too. Like, for example, Little Mermaid. What if he wants to do one on Little Mermaid? Hmm? What if he wants to do one on Cinderella? Sleeping Beauty. I mean, here's what's interesting. I remember this from when I was a kid. And I don't know why they read this to us. I think it's to educators or something. But I remember, I think it was like around the third, third or fourth grade, fifth grade. They were reading us a story. Now you might say fifth grade. You guys are sitting down, sitting down around, listening to a story? Well, like I said, it was around the third, fourth, fifth grade. It was around that time frame. But I remember in that time frame, one of my teachers, I think her name was, I don't know if it was Miss French. I think it meant Miss French. I think it was. She, you know, she would teach us Spanish. She was bilingual. So part of our lessons was we would learn Spanish. Like we would learn, like when we would learn about numbers, we already knew our numbers, or at least mo most of them that we could. You know, she would also teach us the Spanish equivalent of it, like one uno. You know, like, you know, you know, diez. You know, like, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Like, diez, you know, being um, ten. Or the Spanish words for uh, the months, you know, for the months of the year and stuff like that. She would teach us those things. She was a great teacher. Great teacher. But she would also, and she was also very fun-loving. She liked to have fun with us. And one of the things she would do is sit us down uh, in a carpet area, if you will. Yes, second grade classes had those. And we would listen to a story. And she would read us a story. And one of the stories that she chose, I don't know if it, she had someone choose it for her, like one of, the, one of my fellow students, like one of my fellow uh, classmates or something. But she read a story on Cinderella, the original Hans Christian Andersen Cinderella. I think that's who's behind it. And this one was a lot more grotesque. A lot more darker and a lot more twisted than the Cinderella I knew. I'm not joking. And just to confirm it, you know, just to confirm it, I think I asked my parent, told my parents, and they said, "Yeah." They said it's darker, you know, than what we, than what I saw, you know, as a kid. But yeah, but yeah, imagine. Imagine him getting his hands on Cinderella. I mean, the possibilities with all these public domain fairy tales, childhood fairy tales, it's unlimited to this guy. And if he's continue and if he's gonna continue this with Bambi and Peter Pan and who knows who else, Pinocchio, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Cinderella Cinderella, Jungle Book. You know, gloves are off, man. Gloves are off. I mean, what else could he do? What else could he do? Um, Aladdin? That's going to be, that would be definitely dark. 
Um, what could you do? Um, oh, Snow Queen, which Frozen's based on. That. That would be something. Rapunzel, Tangled. That. Whew. Again, just, just thinking about it, man. Just thinking about it. I mean, the possibilities are endless for him to go crazy. And doing it low budget-wise means he can hammer these things out like that. You know, just like, boom. Next year, Bambi's coming out. Next, following year, uh, uh, Peter Pan. Following year, Pinocchio. Following year, Cinderella. Following year, Snow White. Following year, Aladdin. Following year, uh, Snow Queen. Following year, Rapunzel. He can hammer these things out like they're nothing. That, my friend, and that, my friend, I can tell you right now, it is going to, you know, just upon hearing this news, and this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter, with this, I first, well, I saw this in my, and a friend of mine, Frank Hill, it's Frank saw it, and I'm sure others saw it, this news coming out right now, you cannot tell me he is scaring the living you-know-what out of the likes of Disney. Because it is. Because Disney makes money off these characters. They're Disney-fied versions of these characters. But there's still that connection. So you cannot tell me it is not scaring the daylights out of them. Just thinking about what could happen here. Because anything is possible now. Anything is on the table now. Period. Period. I mean... I mean, what a, what other... I mean, Hercules? That could be something. You know, Tarzan? I mean, everything is just... Everything's just on the table now. It is. And if I'm Disney... You know, you know if I'm Disney and I financially get back on my feet, you know what I do? I purchase the damn rights to these, to these stories. I go to the Hans Christian Anderson family... I go to the people that own these other titles, you know, make the families and all that, and say, hey, and, you know, I go to them, meet with them, ask them straight up, how much do you want? That's what I would do. I would ask the hand Christian Anderson descendants, how much do you want? I'd ask the people behind the other stories that have are descendants to the original authors and all that, how much do you want? That way, not only would I be able to hopefully purchase the rights to these stories, if you will, that they still have in possession but I'd be able to keep these kind of things from happening. Now you might say, well, they don't own them anymore. They don't own them. Technically they don't, but they do own part of it. They do own parts of them. And again, if, if I'm Disney and I financially get my, back on my feet, I go to them and say, how much, you know, to get the rest of that stuff off your, off your back. All those other stories that are yet public domain off your back. And then I go to public domain. I go to the public domain offices and say, how much do you guys want for all these stories? You know why? That way, I could, like I said, I could prevent this kind of stuff from happening. I could. I can prevent this kind of stuff from happening. And, you know, would it work? I'm not sure. But it would be something. It would be something to look at. But yeah, if I'm Disney... I'm Disney. I'm 
I'm scared blankety blankness, if you will, right now, because of what potentially could, you know, what potentially is on the horizon. Because on one hand, you have their interpretation that everybody knows, and now you have this person from a low budget standpoint saying, well, I'm going to give you a more twisted childhood horror version of it, and I'm going to make a universe out of it. It's, it's just, it's just, um, it's just crazy to think. It's just crazy to think. I mean, Winnie the Pooh and Blood and Honey is the reason this is all happening. You know, it's the reason this is all happening. And now, we have to sit and wait. Sit and wait. You know, to see exactly what's in store here. You have to sit and wait. And, oh, oh my God. Ooh. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, I, I don't know what else to say here. I mean, the fact that just just thinking about the fact that, you know, you got, you know, a Mecca, a Bambi horror film, you know, where Bambi's going to be half mechanized, a killing machine. Then you're going to have Peter Pan. Who knows what they'll do with that? And then all, all those other ones that I mentioned, potentially. It's like, holy, it's like, holy smokes. You know, what is, basically the question I think is, what is not safe anymore? What is not safe once it goes into public domain? I mean, it's no wonder Disney is doing what they can to make sure once Mickey Mouse does officially enter public domain next year, that it's not going to be easy as people think to utilize him in any way possible because of the imagery. So, so yeah, this is just, Oh man, this is just, this is one of those situations to where, again, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Disney has to be blanking themselves right now, knowing that this is going to tarnish, you know, how people view some of the stories. It's going to tarnish it, you know, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens, but let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Let me know what your thoughts are. On the guy behind Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, coming out and saying that he wants to start, you know, a twisted childhood horror universe with the likes of Bambi, Peter Pan, and others, you know, in their own movies, and then probably coming together. Let me know what your thoughts are. Love to hear your, um, your, how you feel about this uh, in the comments below and in the live chat. All right. So, next to, on to the next topic here. And to the, on to the next topic, and that is at an, an hour and 44 minutes, in 44 and a half minutes, movies being released in two to three parts to tell the whole story, is that the new, is the new norm? I should put it that, but I'll probably do that, fix that later. But yeah, movies being released in two to three parts, arts, um, uh, movies Movies being released in two to three parts to tell the whole story. Is that the new norm? And what I mean by that is today, 
uh, we got the first trailer for part one, you heard me, part one, of the Justice League crossing over with RWBY. Uh, I don't even know what the name of that is. But it's a very popular franchise, anime, game, whatever. And they're crossing over with them. And it's, in, it's the first part. It's the first part. Now, I do have a feeling, even though it's PG, you might have a character die, technically, or in some cases get eaten, but not dead, just swallowed whole, or something, or, or something's going to happen, I don't know what. But it's in two parts, so something's bound to happen. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, yeah, um, you know, recently, over the past several years, in the upcoming, a lot of things, a lot of movies that have been announced, you know, on the verge of being released, um, they are basically being put into multiple parts. They are. Now, I know some might say, well, that's not totally new. We've seen it before. Look at Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm not denying that. But they never really said it's Lord of the Rings, part two, you know, two towers, part three, Return of the King. They just said Return of the King, two towers, and that was it. They never said Fellowship of the Ring was part one. You know, you know, they never said that. Hold on for a sec. Theater went on. I have the windows open, so I don't want to waste that. But like I said, you know, you know, you know, they never straight out said that they were parts. They were based on books. You know, they were based on the book series. You know, they were continuing after the other. You know, they never put in part. But now we're starting to see that. And I think the reason we're seeing that, and that's kind of becoming like the new norm, not just for direct video movies, but theatrical movies, is because you can you can only tell a story you can only tell so much story within the span of two to three hours. Or whatever you're limited to. You only can you know, tell so much of a story within the span of two to three, maybe four hours at most. And that's it. And you want to tell more. You want to tell more of that story. You got more to go in everything. So what do you do? You come up with the idea of basically saying, you know, the first movie that we're doing is going to be part one. And then we're also going to, the following year, release part two. And at the same time, behind the scenes wise, you're going to film both at the same time. So that way you have that exact release date the way you want. And that's kind of what you're getting here. It's kind of what you're getting here with, you know, like I said, this Justice League crossing over with RWBY. Rebuy, or rebuy, rebuy, I think, or whatever. Um, that's what you're getting. And like, like I said, it's not, it's not the first time. It's not. Sometimes, you know, movies will do that. They will do it. There's no doubt. You know, um, you know. Speaking of, you know, DC directed video movies. You know, we know that uh, basically, you know, The Dark Knight Returns. Um, was a two-parter. We know that the um, revital, the new 52 rever revision uh, Death of Superman movie was two parts. We know that. 
But they never came out and said, you know, the 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 new fifty two revision of Death of Superman was two parts. They never said it's part one, Death of Superman, part two, Reign of Superman. No, they just said, you know, Reign of Superman is coming afterwards, but they did basically say it's a continuation. They never actually said it was two parts. You know, the same with Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. You knew it was in two parts. Originally, they said it was going to be Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and then Part 2 before they changed Part 2 to Endgame. But, you know, again, even with that, even when they first announced that, you know, it was a surprise because it was it was the first time and I think a long time that any movies had ever been given, you know, the title of Part 1, Part 2. As if they were a miniseries. But yet, here we are. And again, they did change it so that way, you know, even the, so that way it felt more definitive. Because if they would have kept Infinity War Part 2 as it was, people would go into it thinking, oh, we're going to get a Part 3. They wanted to make sure that this major portion, this major portion of the phase was it. This was the end. And that's what we got. That's what we got. You know, when they changed the, the name of the uh, the title to Endgame. But the thing is, the thing is, like I said, you've been noticing a lot of movies, you know, coming out, you know, with, you know, with the title of Part 1, Part 2, and so on. You've been seeing that. You know, Mission Impossible's got Dead Reckoning coming out this year, Part 1, and then Part 2 next year. You know, you might say to yourself, well, why don't they just rename Dead Reckoning Part 2 as, you know, uh, Final Mission or something like that. It's because of the fact that, you know, Dead Reckoning Part, the Dead Reckoning story is not the end. It's not the end. But it's a big enough story to where it has to encompassize, you know, two full-length, two-hour-plus movies. It's that big of a script, that big of a story. You know, and by doing it this way, you, you ensure... That with whatever ending it's going to have, you're bringing the you're bringing the audience back for that second one. Same with Dune, Dune Part One, you know, ended the way it did, and it's bringing people back to the theater this year because they want to know how that's going to what the next chapter is, what the next step is, what the conclusion is, and stuff like that. So to to to, to see. You know, a lot of movies going this route, like I say, whether it's direct-to-video or theatrical, it's mainly because of the fact that the movie, the story of the movie, basically, is way, way too big to be contained within one feature. And it's one of those stories to where the people behind it want to get everything in there. They want to get everybody an opportunity to shine in everything, you know, in their scenes. They want to make sure that you don't miss a beat, that nothing's cut away. You know, that's why... You know, you have, what is it, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse part, you know, being dubbed part one. You know, because of the fact that, you know, it's got a lot going on with it. And part two, if that comes out next year or two years after, probably next year, uh, is going to conclude that. And the reason, you know, it's being dubbed this way is because, again, it's too big of a story to be contained within the span of two hours. Or an hour and 40 minutes. They need more time. You know to really. You know showcase. Not just the bajillion. 
Spider-Man that what you know Miles and Gwen are going to encounter. But also, you know, given enough time to expand as to what is going on here, what the significance of it is. So that is why basically you are getting, you know, across the spider verse dubbed as number one, part one. And that next year, unless they change the name, it's going to be Across the Spider-Verse Part 2. But there is rumor that Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 will be subtitled Beyond the Spider-Verse. But, you know, that's something we'll have to sit back and wait and see what they do. Some will have to sit back and wait and see what they do with. But, you know, it. But, but here's the thing. Like I said, it's, you know, it seems that this is becoming a new norm. It's be, it seems like this looks like it's becoming a new norm in uh, movies. You know, not shows, but movies because of the fact that, you know, uh, imagine imagine you're sitting down and you're typing up a big fan fiction story. Okay? You're typing it up, typing it up, typing it up, putting in everything you want to put in there, da, 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 all the characters, scenes, moments, and all that. A bit of eroticism, we want to do that. You're typing it all up. And when you're done, your story basically is about... on what, What's on average of a script? About a thousand pages, two thousand pages, something like that. Your story is essentially five thousand pages. And for a script submittance, it should be only two thousand because that two thousand or twenty five hundred, two thousand five hundred 2,500 plus if you will... You know, because of, you know because of the fact that that's you know, equivalent to maybe a two-hour movie at most. So that's the submittance point. But yours is over five hundred, five thousand plus. So what do you do? Do you trim it down, or do you just say, "Hey, I'm going to present it as is. Let them take their time in reading it and see what happens." And if maybe you know your fan fiction that you want to make into an official script for an official movie is approved, the most likely scenario is they will say. You know, hey, we love the story, we'll greenlit it, but catch is, it's got to be in two parts. And then you might say to yourself, well, why not one? And then they could t- and then maybe by default they'll tell you, well, because on average, 2,500, 2,500 pages for a script, on average, that's about a two-hour movie or two-and-a-half-hour movie. But what you gave us, that's the equivalent of a four- to five-hour movie. So it has to be trimmed into two, or has to be uh, done in two parts, or something like that. And even if you ask, well, what could you could you? And even if you ask, maybe why why would it have to be uh, two? You know, what would the purpose be for two parts? The answer you would probably get is because if you end it in a certain way, it draws people back the following year or so to see what how it's concluded. You know, so. So yeah, basically it'd be basically it's like if you, like I said, you're typing up a five thousand page script, and then you submit it, it gets approval, and then they say you got to do it in two parts because basically it's too much story, it's too good not to leave anything out. So you need more time. They're willing to give you more time to make it happen. So, so to me, I think basically that's why we're getting all these, you know, two part films now because it's the equivalent. Of something like that, but it's also, you know, the people behind it, the people that write the script, the directors, the producers, those that approve of it to be greenlit, that want to see 
this story, as good as it sounds to them, be given all the opportunity, all the time it needs to explore every op every scenario it has. Give every scene its proper time. Give every actor and actress and character they portray the proper due. So that's why it seems to be becoming the new norm. You know, that's why it's becoming seemingly the new norm. I mean, you look at, again, going back to DC, uh, DC's direct-to-video movies, they did the last Halloween in two parts for Batman. You might say, well, they should have done it in one. Here's the thing. The second part got its start because of the ending of part one. So you needed to fill that gap in. And that's how we got to that. So either way you look at it, it seems that over time, throughout the years, past, present, and future, it seems that multi-part movies, two to three part movies, are becoming the new norm in, you know, in cinemas, in theaters. Because what they do, what they do basically is they use that, like I said, to draw in the, that audience, you know, the following year, depending on how you end the, the first movie or the second movie. So, so basically that's why, um, so that's basically why essentially you have, you have these movies happening the way they do. I mean, if you want to look at television, and hello to Cream the Rabbit fan, nice to see you in the live chat. Uh, thank you for tuning in. But getting back to what I was saying, when you um, look at something like, let's say television, you want to bring that up to a comparison. You know, you know, ironically, a fan of Sonic is, is in, in the building right now. I could go back to Sonic Satayam. And I could look at, you know, the ending of Doomsday Project. And originally, that ending, that cliffhanger ending, was supposed to lead us into the third season. That was essentially the equivalent of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Satayam Part 2, which was Season 2 was, uh, leading us into Part 3, which Season 3 would have been with that ending. That's what it was the equivalent of, uh, essentially. The... The thing I'm getting at, the thing I'm getting at, ladies and gentlemen, is, you know, this is, this is something that, you know, has been done before, but is really starting to pick up more steam now because they, because I think with, you know, technology as advanced as it is now, with, you know, financially some movie studios being able to, you know, make it happen, you know, and we have a new generation of writers and, you know, producers and directors out there. We're able to finally get things the way they were meant to be originally. That That's what it is. Well, we're getting things as they were originally meant to be seen. We don't have to worry about things being cut down, edited, or anything like that. We're now getting an opportunity, if financially suitable or sustainable, I should say, to make it happen. We're finally getting an opportunity, even through multiple parts, to see these um, these stories play out as they're meant to be, and that's a fact. You know that's a fact. <laughs> and again, going back to television, one of the things I talked about recently was Alf, and everything. And and you know I gave my thoughts storyline wise as to why this you know why that ending happened the way it did in that se in that series finale. And that series finale was meant to hook you in for what would have been a, 
sec, uh, fifth season, which never happened, but it still hooked people in enough, even six years later, that when the announcement of Project Elf as a movie came out to give some closure, people tuned into it and watched it. Despite what others might say, fans of the show and the character tuned in to watch it to see what was going to happen next. You know, so, or what the conclusion would be. Point is, the point is, folks, no matter how you view it, no matter how you look at it, you know, uh, from a movie perspective, or from a movie perspective, easy for me to say, or even a television perspective, doing things in this manner is meant to hook you. And movies, like I said, are now starting to see that if they want to tell the whole story, they need to do it in a way that's going to hook people in to come back the following the following year or so. But yeah, it seems that movies be, being released in two to three parts is obviously becoming the new norm. We're seeing that with some movies coming out this year and next year and in the following years. And even we've seen it in recent years as well. But let me know what your thoughts are in the live chat and in the comments. What are your thoughts of you know movies being released in two to three parts becoming the new norm uh, for stories to be told? Now, with that said... We are at uh, our next one, which will be number five, or number six, I should say, will be number six, as we let it get up to the time of two hours, three minutes, which again, I will timestamp this. Next one here, AEW All Elite Wrestling having issues with AAA, thanks in part because of WWE. Yeah, it seems that AAA in uh, AEW are not seeing eye to eye right now. And AAA and AEW have had a partnership since All Elite Wrestling began. Just like All Elite Wrestling has had a partnership with New Japan, uh, Dragon Gate, and a few other promotions internationally and in and, uh, in country. They've had a partnership. And the partnerships always work out for the best, sometimes for the worst, but mostly for the best. However, However, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that, you know, things are kind of rocky right now with AAA and All Elite Wrestling. To the point that, uh, to the point that AAA is not even going to consider putting any more championships on um, AEW talent due to the fact that, you know, there could be some commitment, you know, interference. Like, for example, uh, Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara were meant to defend the AAA Mixed Tag Titles at, a, at an event. And it was at the same time, same day or same week or something like that, you know, that AEW Dynamite was happening, that they were booked on. I think it was the same night they were booked on for Dynamite. And Ty Mello and Sammy decided they wanted to work with Dynamite, you know, they wanted to work Dynamite more so than they wanted to work AAA. So AAA had to strip over the belts because they wouldn't commit, and also there were other issues as well, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. So they said, we're going to strip you of the belts, give them to somebody else, because obviously you can't be uh, trusted to, you know, to you know make the right decision and come to defend these titles. So, yeah, that was the first, that was obviously the first, you know, kind of like, 
I guess you could say rockiness that you know began between both between both companies. But then recently, uh, recently, Dragon Lee and his brother Draglisto, Draglisto, I believe, uh, won the AAA World Tag Team Titles. And here's the thing. You know, after they won the AAA Tag Team Titles, you know, Dragon Lee and Draglisto, uh, Dragon Lee got on the mic and announced that he had signed with WWE and their NXT under their NXT brand. Yeah. He had signed with WWE moments after he won the titles from a former WWE tag team who held the tag team titles in WWE, all three of them, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, FTR, when they were known as the Revival. Yeah. They beat them. WWE showed footage of it, or basically had footage ready of it, to send to ESPN and stuff, you know, as well, along with Dragon Lee's announcement. And this did not sit well, obviously, with AAA. Because even though, apparently, um, Tony Khan was cool with it, you know, I don't think AAA was cool with it. Or something like that. One of the two. But, yeah. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't, no, wait a minute. No, it was AAA, actually. Now that I think about it, it was AAA that was cool with it. Tony Khan wasn't. AEW and Tony Khan... Were not cool with it, uh, apparently, because of the fact that uh, it seems that they're one of their best tag teams, a team that just basically dominated tag team wrestling no matter where they went, you know, was used not only to put over Dragon Lee and his brother to become tag team champions, but were used as fodder for WWE to basically have Dragon Lee make the announcement that he had signed with them. You know, and apparently this did not sit well with AEW, just like AAA, you know, you know, didn't, uh, wasn't happy with Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara choosing Dynamite over them. So, yeah, obviously there are some situations going awry, going not so pleasantly and peacefully between both companies. And it all stems, and basically the last thing that it caught, and basically the last thing it stems from is the whole, you know, Dragon Lee and his brother becoming tag team champions over FTR, and then Dragon Lee announcing on that same night, moments later, that he had signed with WWE. And WWE had footage and everything set and ready to go to show, uh, show ESPN. And I do apologize for any lag. It seems that I'm not get, YouTube is not getting enough video, if you will. I don't know why that is. I do apologize. Let me check over here. Yeah, it appears it's um, not doing so well. So I do apologize for any lag. But, yeah, basically W... But, yeah, basically AEW and AAA are on um, very thin ice right now with each other because of two separate situations, you know, that have occurred. Now, obviously both sides, mostly AAA, are hoping to smooth things out. Because they want to get Kenny Omega in the ring with their AAA Mega Champion Vikino, Vikino, LD Eldel Vikino, as well as they want to try to also get Kota 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 Ibushi Kota Ibushi to come over and fight El Vikino as well. 
uh, for the Triple A Mega Championship, which is the world title. But yeah, right now it doesn't seem like, you know, things are, you know, very pleasant anymore between the two sides, or at least, you know, business-wise, the the business-wise, the the trust that was there is kind of wearing wearing thin, and it's in desperate need for repair. So, yeah, that's basically what's going on there. As they check something here, guys. It seems everything's yeah, right all right. Now, it seem like... Yeah, everything seems okay. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe it's you know, YouTube or something like that. I don't know. But like I said, like I said, you know, they are, um, they basically, you know, the basically the trust is wearing kind of thin right now. Hopefully both sides can uh, repair it and uh, work something out. Now basically things are back to normal again with the YouTube, back to excellent condition. I'm assuming somebody else got on the internet wherever they are, and that's caused the interference. But anyway, like I said, um, yeah, the 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 relationship between both sides is not doing so well um, as we speak. So one can only one can only imagine how how much I guess you could say what's what's the word I'm looking for? How much humble pie both sides are going to have to swallow? So they can maintain this relationship because if it's on thin ice right now, I guarantee you Conan, who's a head person there in AAA, is not going to hesitate to say, you know what, screw you know screw AEW, I'd rather deal with WWE, and he would do it despite his differences about WWE or how he feels about them. He'd rather work with them over AEW if things don't smooth out. So, yeah, again, this all stems from two separate things. The first one being. Triple uh, A being pissed off that Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara uh, decided to skip out on defending the mixed tag team titles in favor of being at Dynamite the night they were supposed to be at that Triple A uh, Night of Champions event, which caused them to get stripped, and also because of other issues, you know, them being demanding. Like, I think they said Ty Mello wanted her own dressing room and hairdresser or something like that, you know, whatever the case was. But yeah, uh, basically. That was the first thing that caused some um, uh, tumultuous quakes between the two, minor quakes. But then you have the whole thing with Dragon Lee and, you know, what happened there, especially at the biggest event, Triple A's biggest event, which was Triple Mania, uh, which was, I think, the part two of it, the part two of it. And that didn't sit well with AEW and Tony Khan. So... So yeah, obviously there's some rocky roadness with with uh, both sides right now, and everything. And hopefully it'll get repaired so they could do business together. I mean, I know they would hate for AAA to miss out on uh, Forbidden Door Two if they can make that happen. But uh, we'll have to we'll have to see what you know uh, takes place in the future behind the scenes because again. Uh, because again, Conan to me, my personal opinion, is the kind of guy that if AEW doesn't want to work things out, smooth things out, he'll be willing to work with WWE. He'll look past his differences with them and say, they're the better choice. I'd rather end my partnership with AEW and work for WWE instead. He would do it. He would do it in my opinion. But we'll have to see what the next couple of months, couple of days, weeks uh, lead towards. I'll have to look at that. Anyway, though, with that said, 
on to our next topic. And our next topic, number seven. Belief is that Vince McMahon's presence is a hindrance and not a... Okay, basically it's belief is Vince McMahon's presence is a hindrance and not a help in the WWE sale negotiations. Now, we've talked about this many times before. I've talked about it before work uh, on several occasions. But it seems that Vince McMahon, ever since he came back, bullied his way back in, if you will, uh, cooed his way back in, whatever you want to call it, bribed his way, you know, edged his way, whatever you want to call it. You know, basically, a lot of people would say uh, bullied his way, manipulated his way back in. It seems that ever since he's been back, not only has he had lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit heading his way by various shareholders, including the more recent one asking for documentation of the agreement that he, that everybody on the board at that time, when he was gone, basically believed and felt, which included his son-in-law and daughter and Nick Khan, that he was not fit to be back. They didn't want him back. You know, now you have various, you know, outlets reporting that all the potential buyers for WWE, you know, towards WWE, you know, all the potential buyers, with a few exceptions, do not want to buy the company. They do not want to have anything to do with the company because of Vince McMahon. And why do they, why do they not want everything to do with the company because of Vince McMahon? Because as everybody has pointed out in the lawsuits, a lot of analysis here in the wrestling business that have channels here on YouTube, podcasts at places like Spotify, or even just articles and blogs, all of them have pretty much said the same thing. That they could see what Vince is truly trying to do. What he's trying to accomplish. And that is why sales are not potentially going to happen as soon as, let's say, Nick Khan believes they will. Because Vince McMahon does not want to open it up his eyes and realize, Oh, I guess me being here is a problem. Oh, well, I'll go back home to Connecticut. Bye! You know, he's not seeing it that way. He's not viewing it from that perspective. You know, he's not viewing it from that perspective. Now, Dave Meltzer, you know, this is what's just his opinion when he met, because he's the one that brought it up. Dave Meltzer basically said that the reason is, the other reason that kind of, you know, is kind of a, a hindrance, if you will, is the fact that he is the primary benefactory. So him being there, in a way, is a, essential, to, in a sense, to a sale. It is essential to a sale uh, of the company. But everybody else has proven that it's not. But Vince has to believe that since he's the beneficiary, it is. But obviously he's not realizing that him being there is hurting that process. It's hurting uh, the process uh, for them to, you know, sell the company to to somebody, you know, to somebody else. I mean, when you have one of the people on this, doing the CNBC interview with Nick Khan... Saying, yeah, um, I don't think Comcast, NBC Universal is interested uh, in buying the company. Now, one, that's just his opinion. Now, he might have heard some things, but that's just his opinion. Others have pretty much said otherwise. That, yeah, Comcast is interested, but the reason they believe this guy during the interview with Nick Khan would say that is because of the fact that he realizes, along with CN- along with the NBC family, 
the Comcast family that Vince McMahon is the issue. Like Comcast basically saying, hey, we want WWE because we have the WWE Network on Peacock, but we don't want Vince McMahon and we know what he and we know why he's here. So we're not going to put we're not going to bid anything until this guy's out of the picture. You know, and Nick Khan has pretty much said in that same interview that he still believes Comcast is a viable contender along with likes of Endeavor and all that, but that neither one of them, and not even I don't think the Saudi people, you know, of the PFI, if you will, want to put it in a bid because of Vince McMahon. Now you might say, well, everybody says the Saudi people don't care. Well, that's just people's opinions about them. It's like I've said before. Yes, the Saudi Arabia, the Saudi people have been known for doing things a certain way and having their beliefs. I'm not going to disagree with that. But who's to say? And others have pointed this out. Others have pointed this out. Who's to say that the people wanting the PFI in Saudi Arabia are not with it? They're not modernized. They don't. They're not. You know, they're not. You know, people that look at you know the bigger picture. You know that they're more in tune with what's going on. You know, around the world. I mean, if they weren't in tune with, with what's going on, would they have allowed the lady, would WWE have been allowed to let the women compete on those crown jewels and super showdown shows and all that? Would they have allowed that to happen? No. No. But they let it happen. Yes, there were a few things that had to be done, but still, they let it happen. So, to me, you know, despite, you know, despite how you feel about, you know, Saudi Arabia as a whole, which... Again, you have all the rights to you know, feel that way. Who's to say the PFI people are not in tone? or in Well, not in tone, but in tune with what's going on. And who's to say they don't realize, hey, Vince McMahon is going to be a hindrance for us. And we don't, if we're going to buy the company, we can't have him here either. Who's to say they don't feel that way too? You know, it, 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 I, mean, if, I mean, his thing, you can't just have Comcast, Endeavor, Amazon, Netflix, Fox, ESPN, Disney, you know, be the only ones that feel this way. They too feel this way, despite how you feel about them personally, you know, as a country and as people. You know, they feel the same way too, more than likely. Because if they didn't, why haven't they put out a bid? Why haven't they put out the first bid, the first offer? Because they probably feel the same way. They probably have heard what Vince has done and everything and being more in tune Un with what's going on, realizing this guy's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem with us, or for us. We need to, you know, we need to stay away right now until things are worked out. Things are settled, if you will. So, to me, yeah, Vince McMahon obviously doesn't realize he's a problem. I mean, we all get why he's there. You know, despite how we feel about it. You know, and we can all give our own, you know, difference of opinion as to why he's really there. And there's no arguing that, you know, because of what he's done in the past, you know, on screen as a character and off screen. But again, but again, the the point I'm getting at, the point I'm getting at is the fact that, you know, the point the point I'm getting at, and everything, is. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to lose my track of thought here. I don't want to lose my track of thought. But the point I'm getting at is, you know, we all know, like I said, we all know why he's there. 
despite what he's done, you know, on camera as a character and off camera. We all know why he's there. You know, because he believes he's the only way a sale is going to get done. You know, none of us believe whether or not he would step away for, if it's the be- if that's going to help, you know, a sale become a reality. None of us believe that. That That is a fact. But it seems Vince McMahon is too stubborn. He's too stubborn to wake up and realize that he's the one that's preventing any sale from happening. And I, I truly believe this. And I was thinking about this earlier. I truly believe that the one person that could wake him up and make him realize, Vince, you want to get the, you want the company to be sold to the right people. You need to step down. You need to go. You need to leave. I think the only person that's going to probably wake him up is his wife, Linda McMahon. Because Linda McMahon still has a stake in that company too, believe it or not. And she's his wife. And hopefully she can, I wouldn't say she could, but hopefully she can talk some sense into him. Tell him, look Vince, I know you want to you know, sell the company and everything. You want to be part of the sale and have some kind of, you know, um, associ- you know have some kind of you know, thing going still with the company. But as long as you're in power, it's an issue. A sale is not going to happen, you know, as long as you're in power. It's an issue. So maybe it's going to take her. I don't know. You know, it, it, but it's got to take something. Maybe it might take a fifth lawsuit. Who knows? Who knows? But the point that I'm getting at is we all know, he, we all know that he's the issue right now. We all know it. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And what this does is it fuels everybody's suspicion that he's out that he's out for more than just a sale. If he doesn't realize, oh, I'm the real reason things are not progressing the way they should. Because again, if a sale was to happen, you know, let's say to the Saudi people, and the way people think about them, it would have already been done. No matter what. But it hasn't. It hasn't been done. Because I think the people that run that PFI are more, more in tune with what's going on in today's world more than anything else. But but again, it's it's not surprising to anybody that you know people are reporting that what's blocking the sale isn't because of certain you know uh, certain um, you know uh, agreements that nobody uh, uh, certain um, stipulations and stuff that you know are not going to be agreed upon, but it's Vince himself. Because Vince is the biggest stipulation. Vince basically is the stipulation of, well, I'm going to sell the company to you, uh, Comcast. I'm going to sell the company to you. Ooh, and everything. Good price and everything. I love it. And Comcast is probably thinking, oh, that's great. So what do we sign? And he's like, well, before you sign, i got to tell you one more thing. And they're like, what? He says, well, when when you buy WWE, I'm also coming along before the ride. And Comcast would be looking at him like, what do you mean? He says, well, it was my baby. And since you're going to be buying it, I still want to be part of it. So you buy WWE, I'm coming to be part of it. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You know, that right there is the biggest step that a lot of people feel is holding things back. Because nobody wants anything to do with him. They don't. You know, what's crazy is, let's say the cons, Tony and his father buy it. Can you imagine Tony Khan coming up on Raw, saying he's the new owner, calling out Vince? I can see Tony Khan, you know, 
shaking Vince, hands, hugging him, thanking him, and then maybe letting him have it and saying, Vince, here's the truth though. Nobody likes you because you think you're still stuck in the 1980s. It's not 1980s anymore. It's 2020 something. Wake up. Hello. You know, he, he, I wouldn't put it past Tony Khan to do something like that. But again, again, that's only if they were able to slip in and say, hey, we own it now. <sighs> but yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting situation that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And hopefully, like I said, somebody like Linda McMahon, which is his wife still, I still believe he's still married, steps in and says, Vince. You're the hindrance. You're what's preventing the sale from happening. And if not his wife, maybe his lawyer, Jerry McDivitt. Maybe Jerry talks to him and say, Vince, a sale's not going to happen as long as you're here. As long as you're still in power. You need to leave. You need to leave and let a sale progress without you being here and without you having anything to do with the company. It's going to take one of them, one or both of them, to, you know, to probably do that. But that's just my opinion. What do you guys think? What do you think it's going to take for Vince McMahon to realize he's being the hindrance? He's preventing the sale from happening. Let me know in the live chat, in the comments below. Alright, so next up, as I check something here. okay. Next up here, our last topic. Velma Season 1 ends, but will Season 2, despite being greenlit, actually happen? Well, yesterday, or the other day... The final two episodes of Velma, episode 9 and 10, officially aired, 10 being the season finale, and be honest with you, I think it might more than likely be the series finale, because, uh, yeah, if I'm Mindy Kalin, I might want to ask David Zaslav if I could shop Velma around to someplace else, <laughs> you know, because, uh, yeah, this was probably the most awkward negatively responded first debut first season debut season of any show animated or live action i think anybody anybody's ever seen or experienced and despite a green uh, despite a season two being greenlit because of obviously it being one of the more watched viewed show more one of the more watched view more watched and viewed shows on hbo max in quite a while and mostly because it was hate watch critical watch if you will I don't think it's gonna. I don't think a season two is actually going to happen. I mean, if it. I mean, yes, it was greenlit to happen, but doesn't mean it will. And we know that David Zaslav and his crew are known to, you know, put the you know put the axe down on projects before they even get a chance to get going. I mean, look at Batgirl for goodness sakes. Do you think he's going to want to risk it with a season two of Velma? I don't think he would. I don't think he would. But then again, he could allow Mindy to shop uh, season two of Velma around to another to another streaming service. But even they may not want nothing to do with it because of the negative reputation it got. So, so yeah, I I don't I don't know if it will actually happen. I mean, if it does, it'll be just like I said before. I think I think Mindy Kalin might get replaced. I think they'll green. I think they will agree that I think they will allow season two to happen. But they're going to replace Mindy Kaling as Velma. They're going to replace her. They're going to replace everybody else, you know, voice-wise. And maybe they're going to start season two by saying, Oh, by the way, 
this is the real Velma, and she was just writing it in her memoir of how she saw it happen, how she felt it should have gone. Basically, reveal maybe it was a, it was all fiction, and she this is how she viewed how she would have viewed it or seen it, in it had she been put in a different you know position or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I, I honestly I just do not think Velma is going to season two is honestly going to happen but and if it does i don't think it'll happen for some time i mean yes animation takes a while to do but especially 2d but i, I don't i don't think it's going to happen i don't at least in this incarnation because i believe what's going to i believe like i said i believe what's going to happen is if it does occur season two is going to open up with us you know seeing velma you know probably seeing the ending of season one and then coming up and seeing, you know, uh, Velma uh, behind a computer just tapping it up and saying, yeah, end of my story, done. And then we see the rest of the Mystery Inc. gang probably, you know, reading it along with her. Or maybe she passed out copies of it to them. And I could see the reaction being like, you know, Daphne could be like, why did you portray me like this? That's not how I act. And Velma's excuse could be, well, that's kind of how I viewed you at first. So I thought, go with it go with it and then maybe we find out that's not exactly how things went and she was more shy around Daphne and she wanted to hang out with Daphne because Daphne was a cool kid who knows um again that might be what happens and again maybe May Mindy Kalen doesn't come back for it maybe David Zaslav and you know everybody's like yeah we're gonna keep Velma Mindy but we're not gonna keep you because we don't need any more of that negative woke crap or cancel culture crap or SJW crap or whatever that you're spilling, that you're using Velma to spill, spill with. So, so yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't, so yeah, you know, will it happen, again, will it happen? Will it actually happen? And I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't think, I, I, I don't think HBO Max, or Max, Max period, is going to want the people behind the service you know, Kathleen Finch and others, David Zaslav, I don't think they're going to want to deal with another uh, se season of this. I don't think they're going to want to. And if they do allow another season to happen, i got to feel they're going to retcon some crap. They are. They might, like I said, they might retcon it to where it's all been just fan fiction. Just Velma, because remember what Velma said. You know, this is her story the way she, the way th that, remember what Velma said in the trailer. This is the, remember what she said, sorry if I was trying to think that, sorry if I went, you know, spaced out that I was trying to think about what I was going to say there. Um, but basically, this is Velma, remember what Velma said in the trailer. This is her story, how she remembers it, or this is how she tells it. You know, this is her story, the way she tells it. So, who's to say they don't retcon it, and it's just Velma, you know, uh, finishing up what she typed, finishing, you know, typing up you know, a, a story, uh, finishing, tapping it up on a computer, and we see that it's all been f fictional. It's all been a fake. Or that maybe she handed out copies to her friends, and like I said, they look at her and be like, why did you write me like this? Why did you say it like this? You know, who's to say they don't do that to kind of retcon things and say, yeah, uh, what happened in season one was all fantasy. It was not real. It was basically, as the trailer described, how Velma saw it, how she described it, 
how she wants to tell it. So, who's to say they don't do that? Who's to say they don't do that? I mean, we've seen a lot of shows do that with, you know, following seasons. Like, the previous season will be, you know, ending this way, and then the following season will begin a different way, and all that, and then you'll find out it was retconned, and maybe they might touch upon the previous season, the continuity there, to kind of bring that full circle. You know, who's to say they don't do that? Who's to say they don't, they don't do that? Because I think they could. I think they could, but... Yeah, I mean, Velma coming back for another season, guys, I, I, I don't... I, I just don't see season two, despite being greenlit, happening. And if it does, and I know I'm repeating myself here, I think it's going to be done in a way that retcons what happened in season one. Maybe it makes it turn out to be nothing more than Velma just writing her own uh, fan fiction on how she would have seen it going, or how she would have done it, and all that. So, and I do apologize, that's a train going by, the dogs, I have the windows open because it's nice out, dogs are always going to howl because of the train. I do apologize for that, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, I just, you know, and I, I'm sorry, I do apologize. I think the train conductor does that on purpose because he knows it gets a reaction. And I just do. But anyway, like I said, um, I, I don't, I don't know whether or not we're going to get, a, whether or not the second season, despite being greenlit, would happen. Because if it happens and they allow the same stuff to happen that hit, happened in season one, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, especially with all the behind-the-scenes information that came out recently of basically, you know, it's sounding like the people at HBO Max and Warner Brothers didn't really care about what Mindy did with the Velma series and stuff or didn't call them out. You know, yeah, that's not a good look either. So hopefully, you know, upon that revelation, like I said, you know, well, not like I said, but hopefully upon that revelation, you know, people like Kathleen Finch and David Zaslav, they sit down with Mindy and be like, hey, from now on, people are going to keep an eye on how you do season two. And if you try to do anything similar to season one, we're cutting you off. You know, who's to say they don't do that? Who's to say they don't do that? But yeah, will, will season two happen? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Again, things can be greenlit, but doesn't mean they doesn't mean they'll happen. Again, look at Batgirl, look at Scooby-Doo, Scoob Haunted Holiday. I mean, I mean, Scoob Haunted Holiday, that was pretty much completed. And, you know, it can't be seen. It can't be seen because it's locked away in a vault. Well, at least, as far as Warner Brothers is concerned, it's locked away in a vault. But it can't be seen. And neither can Batgirl. And those were planned to be releases on HBO Max. Those were greenlit. So despite Velma season two being greenlit, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't. I do not think it's going to probably see the light of day. And if it does, there's going to be a lot of changes. Either Mindy Kaling and her team gets kicked off, and we get a new team, and you know they and and by default they retcon, you know what happened in season one, and you know have it turn out to be nothing more than you know Velma writing down or typing down her own interpretation of events because you know. Maybe in reality, it didn't actually go that way. We don't know. We don't know. 
But, yeah. I don't know. I think they got a lot to think about. That being David Zaslav, Kathleen Finch, and HBO Max when it comes to Velma. I think they got a lot to think about. But let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. And now, with that said, at 2 hours, 37 minutes, and 15 seconds, just wanted to do my closing thoughts here. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. You will get an audio podcast version of this, hopefully very soon, so you guys can listen to it on the go in audio form. I think you guys will all appreciate that. Um, also, I will timestamp, basically, you know where you can find these here on YouTube, so you don't have to you know, uh, fast forward throughout the entire live stream or post live stream video. And, uh, yeah, that's really about all I could say. So, guys, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you all have a great Friday or rest of your Friday, Friday evening. Uh, take care of yourselves, elves and everything. Also, come and support me at Venmo at Brian-Walmart-2, Cash App at PWRoses98. Also, check out my Teespring store for merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Also, check me out at Vimo at BW Roses for content you can't, you can't get here on YouTube. Also, check me out at Patreon.com slash BW Roses for, uh, for support there, the $1, $3 tier. Also, support me at DeviantArt.com slash BVW1979. Uh, and then, so, until next time, guys, really appreciate you um, sticking with me through this as we um, continue our journey into my 15th anniversary uh, here on YouTube, hopefully with no... Uh, interruptions. Also be on the wear out. Apparently people like to throw out false, what it looks like false YouTube warnings and everything because I was given a false a U, uh, copyright warning because of my ELF video I did. Well it's just me on camera talking and all I had was a thumbnail from the season finale or series finale. So apparently that got me a copyright warning but when I looked at it and then I compared it to the copyright claims Something didn't sit right. And they also put the link. You know, the entire, you know, the, the link right now that I'm looking at, like the the youtube.com slash video and all that. They put that in the, in, the, in the thing. And I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And then the way they worded it at times. And then they put a link down there. I'm thinking, well, what's this link? And I looked it up. And it's like, something doesn't seem right. So whatever's going on here. So whatever's going, so, so basically my opinion. My uh, warning to you guys is to check your Google Docs and everything. Apparently, some people are trying to spam us, trying to troll us. And, I, and here's my message in closing to those people. If you don't like what we're doing, as we've said many times before, don't watch, don't listen. That's it. But anyway, though, guys, keep an eye out for, in your docs, if you will, because someone's trying to troll. That's all I'm going to say. But let me know what your thoughts are. Comment below. Comment down below. Thank you for joining me in the live chat. Those that did. And until next time, guys, I will talk to you.